Hey there, freedom lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Freedom Media Network podcast. We have a treat for you today. It's my interview with the great Bob Berg. Now, Bob is a Hall of Fame keynote speaker. He's co-author of the Go-Giver mega best-selling Go-Giver series of books. He wrote the classic sales book, Endless Referrals, as well as Adversaries into allies. Now, amidst all the fear pornography in the world today, in this episode, I discuss with Bob how you can remain the calm amidst the storm, amidst all the uncertainty, the craziness, the news, how you can tune that out, focus on your signal, and keep moving forward. Hope you love this episode. If you do, please go and leave us a positive rating and review wherever you listen to this show. And without further ado, here's my interview with the great Bob Burke. And and so th- this podcast just is a is a quick intro. I'm 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 really we're really exploring decision making and when you make these decisions out of fear mm-hmm. or with a sense of love and compassion and how that it, that can impact our creative decisions, conflicts, uh, our interpersonal relationships. And really thinking, you know, uh, honing in, one of the reasons I was really thinking about this is in your books, you talk about the importance of breathing, kind of taking that step back and looking at the situation, not only for interpersonal relationships, conflict, mm-hmm. but making better decisions, um, kind of avoiding adversity where it doesn't need to be avoided. And so, uh, so that's the quick background okay. of today. You're Perfect. good with that. So. Wonderful. I'll, I'll tape a, I'll do an intro later uh, so we can jump right in. And well, Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you've been on my previous podcasts mm-hmm. and um, you know, I am a, a student of your books as well as my 15 year old daughter is she's, mm-hmm. she's been going through adversaries into allies. And you know, the purpose of this podcast is really to, to look at when we make decisions and we're in a state of fear. We've seen a lot of that. And I think social media fans, the flames, we've oh. seen that over the last year mm-hmm. and a half or out of a sense of love. And when I say love, I don't necessarily mean kissy kissy and all that, but with a sense of love, compassion yeah. and how that affects our ability to think creatively, um, which is not only painting and art and writing, but also creative decisions in terms of our interpersonal relationships and, and how we behave. So I really want to thank you for coming on this podcast. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you. I'm a fan of your work as well, which, you know, you've been on my podcast and I love your book and, and the work you do and what you stand for. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It, it, and looking at, at fear. And um, when I mentioned on LinkedIn that we were going to be doing this podcast, someone said, well, what, what are some examples in history of fear-based decisions. And now some of this, I, I readily agree. Some people will say, well, no, that wasn't based out of fear. I, I, I mean, I mentioned everything from the Holocaust <laughs> to uh, the Japanese internment to a number of things. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a fear of heights going back to when I was a kid. And what I notice is, uh, and I, I had Randy Gage, uh, spoke to him uh, two weeks ago. We talked about fear as kind of conditioning in our brains. And my wife and I, when we go hiking, we'll go up and, and high. You can, as we tape this, you can see one of these Red Rock Hills behind me. We're trying not to instill fear with our kids. And so we say things like, pay attention instead of be careful, be careful. 
And one of the things I notice as we talk about that, I don't want them to have that fear is my mom saying things like we're, we're talking or, hey, we're going to go to the Grand Canyon. Oh, my gosh, watch those kids be careful. And it dawns on me, wow, there, there's probably some programming in there. But when you're, yeah. when you're up high, I notice when you're gripped with fear, you're tense, you're rigid, right? You have that fight, flight, or freeze, and you kind of become useless. And you're more dangerous to yourself on a cliff when you really should be a little <laughs> kind of going with the flow. But one of the things as I think about that is you talk about in your books the importance, and now this is certainly with interpersonal relationships, of taking a deep breath and yielding. And I, I think we spoke on the last one. I, I, I said, I see a lot of Lao Tzu uh, in the go-giver books, but certainly an adversary and allies and the importance of yielding. Can you explain that more about taking a deep breath? You know, our parents said count to 10. Why that's difficult to do and why that can help us think a little more creatively when we take that deep breath in interactions with others. Well, it's it's uh, difficult to do because you have to be conscious of it. You know, we breathe all the time, right? I mean, it's just so natural. It's like the fish who, you know, that, that doesn't know it, it lives in the water. So we're breathing and we have the air, this wonderful, beautiful, amazing air all around us. It sustains our lives. And yet how often do we really think about that? Do we think, wow, I'm bringing it. In fact, the only time we don't is when we're short of breath, right? When, it, when something comes up that we're, you know, uh, you know, when we don't, when we need the breath, that's the only time we really think about it unless you stay conscious of it, you know, and, and, and I think that's the, that's the thing. And so when there's an issue, a situation that could be uncomfortable, could be scary, could be, you know, what have you, uh, that's the time when we really need to be conscious of that air and of, of that breath. If we, if we're conscious of it, we start to, to you know, we see ourselves, we notice ourselves going, <laughs> which is the unhealthiest you know, type of breathing and decisions are, are much more likely to not be the best decisions when we're in that state. Yeah. Uh, so when we can think about it, say, okay, well, get, let's take a breath. Let's take a breath. Let's breathe in that air. Let's breathe in. Let's breathe out. Let's think about it. Let's be in control of ourselves. Let's be in control of our emotions. Uh, and it doesn't mean the fear isn't there. If it's a legitimate, some fears are legitimate. Most aren't, but some are. Regardless, uh, when we're aware of that fear and aware of where our, our shallow breathing is taking us, now we can, now we're in a position to be able to do something about it. One of the things I, I enjoyed about, uh, there were a number of things I enjoyed about adversaries into allies was that the Go-Giver books are fictional parables. Mm-hmm. With, with people they're based on, right? That, that I've heard stories and legends of who various people are based on in the books. Adversaries into Allies really gives a glimpse into you and some of your, and, and you're very humble in the book. I mean, you're humble anyways, but, but you're humble in the book talking about some of the difficulties you've had, maybe in breathing or jumping in and interrupting people. Oh, when I follow you on Twitter and LinkedIn, it's interesting because I know, for instance, you are a, a, a defender and a supporter of liberty mm -hmm. and free markets. Mm -hmm. 
I've seen you get kind of, uh, was it last year? Someone tried to cancel you uh, because because of something you said you were talking about coming together. I think it was on a, a Michelle Obama post and someone tried oh, to cancel yeah. you over that and said, I'm right. never getting your book again. Right. Oh, that's right. Yes. And you came in and said, well, I'll buy five of them or something like that. Yeah. And I, I bought a bunch of the books and gave them to my clients. Yeah, that was um, so but then also, I, I assume, I can only assume that over the past year and a half, there are things that probably get under your craw, like drive you nuts when it relates to liberty and free markets and things going on in the world. However, when I look at your content, when I see you on podcasts, I mean, you're popping up constantly on my LinkedIn feed being on people's podcasts. It's steady. You don't allow people to rock the boat in an age when, you know, I run hot, right? And it's like, I want to get in there. How do you avoid allowing that kind of anger culture to get under you, but also kind of remain focused where you talk about free markets and talk about liberty, but like, unlike me, you don't get drawn into the, what the hell is going on in the world? How can they do this? <laughs> you know, you're just, you're just, you're just, you have a very calming influence on, on others, not only in your books, but on social media, but how do you remain kind of above the fray, still use social media without getting drawn into the, the kind of fear pornography that's out there? Yeah, yeah, and there certainly is fear pornography. That's a, a great way to, to put it. Um, you know, I also have other areas in, in which I have very strong feelings. Uh, animal, you know, for animal rights, right. I'm, you know, a big believer in that when I see you know, pictures of people ruthlessly stalking and hunting and killing and posing with their thing. Just, you know, my blood boils. But, you know, I, I learned long ago, Kurt, that it just, you know, my, my goal is not just to speak my mind. My goal is to influence and to mm -hmm. persuade. Okay. Uh, not to manipulate, which is the, the negative form of, of mm -hmm. influence, but to persuade, which is the positive form. And I want what I say or when I engage with people, I want that to, to eventually, hopefully, turn into a person uh, changing their thought process or adjusting their thought process or doing something differently than they may now. That's what persuasion is. That's what influence is. But it doesn't happen through getting angry, through getting mad. It, it just doesn't. And I know people think it does, and they... I think they think it does because they want to think it does yeah. because it allows them the excuse to just kind of let people have it. And to, but here's the thing. I have never seen a person who was lambasted on a tweet or some kind of post who was told you are a horrible human being. You're a monster. You're this, you're that you're stupid. You're blah, blah. never heard or, or seen that happen where the person who's attacked post or tweets back something like, wow, you know, you're right. I hadn't thought of it that way. But now that you mention it, yeah, I can see where I am totally wrong. I am just changing my opinion right now. And I agree totally with you. Never seen it happen. Yeah, because that's not how people are. If you yell at people, if you insult people, if you disparage people, they're not going to change. They're going to stay just as, as, as committed, if not more so than they already were mm. now understand please that this took me a long time to to get to that to, to get to that point i mean i you know as as i admitted in adversaries and to allies i used to have just horrible anger issues and 
just hold grudges big time. And, you know, the poison that was in my system, the self-inflicted poison was, oh. you know, was terrible. So I, at a certain point in my life, I went to work on myself and, you know, I really, uh, took some of the real negative characteristics and traits uh, and habits and so forth I had. And I, I turned them, I turned them into strengths. Um, you know, I did this through studying one of the chapters in Benjamin Franklin's book, the autobiography, where he talked about, uh, uh, you know, per, what he called perfecting, you know, your character, perfecting your trade. Well, you don't get it perfect, but you, you try your best. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it yeah. certainly puts you, you know, nine steps ahead of where you were. So, <laughs> so you know, but so it was. It was a. It was a conscious change. And so, you know, when I hear people or when I see people say things, you know, when it comes to their misinterpretation of liberty or free markets or something, and they say something that's just so very incorrect and they really think it's correct. And, you know, is it going to do any good? I have to ask myself the question. Is it really going to do any good to, to tell this person that they're, they're wrong and that they're this or that? Or is it going to do a little better to say, you know, I appreciate the passion you have for this topic. And, you know, how much you obviously care about others uh, like you. I want to live in a world where everyone's able to blah, 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 you know. And then in the next tweet, I can say, I think our only, you know, our biggest point of disagreement is the best, most effective way to get there. Yeah. And, and so when you do that, now a person that kind of, first of all, it, it, it reframes the whole thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and now a couple things happen. One is hopefully this person is going to say, oh, well, I hadn't thought of that. What, you know, but what, how can you blah, blah, blah. Now you're in a discussion. Sometimes that's going to happen. But even if it doesn't, it's okay. Because remember, there are usually many people watching that conversation. They're observing without saying anything. And they're listening for two things. One is, and, and these are the people, a lot of them who aren't so far one way or so far another way you know they're not so far to the left or so far to the right that their minds made up don't confuse me with the facts these are people who might be open to ideas if they hear them correctly right yeah. so the people who are lurking are listening for two things one who makes the most logical sense okay but that's probably secondary okay because people don't operate or make decisions based on logic or at least not logic alone the most important thing they're hearing first for the sake of persuasion is who's more relatable, who sounds more, who comes across more as somebody who I would trust, right? Is it the person who's, who's insulting the person and calling them a monster because they don't believe what they believe or that they, you know, or is it the person who appreciates and compliments and says, you know, and can genuinely say, I appreciate where you're coming from. And, you know, I, like you, I want to boom, 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 but the biggest thing now it's, oh, okay, well, you know, this person kind of makes sense. I want to know more. And these are the comments I'll get. They might be direct messages. There's people who may not answer that way publicly because they're afraid of being canceled. And <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that's really where it's at, at, Kurt. I think it's understanding why it's important to be that way and then willing to, you know, to work on oneself to the point that you're able to, to communicate more constructively. The uh, Chanksa, the other, the other Taoist writer who I, is, uh, I've heard it called the Mark Twain of Taoism, you know, he, he talks about the importance and the strength of a valley versus a mountain. Right. And like right here, uh, there's it's green. We're in the desert. 
hasn't rained in a month. Actually, it rained today for the first time in like over a month. We have wildfires. But here in the valley, you have greenery, right? And the strength. And he talks about the strength of the valley versus the mountains because that's where everything runs into. And when I read that, I think of the go-giver in terms of attracting people. And you talk about that pull versus the push. Right, right. From a very practical standpoint, not just not just COVID and everything, but from a business standpoint, it can be, and many business owners are impatient. And sometimes you have a bad month, you have a bad year, you're starting out, maybe things aren't going well, and that fear starts building up. And instead of acting out of love and focusing on your clients and your wants, you want to start generating, uh, you know, it's like baseball, right? We got to, hey, we're not hitting the ball. We got to generate runs. And so you got to do whatever it is. Right. What advice do you have for a business owner who starts getting that, right? Because everyone, as our friend Joe Peachy says, some months you're the foot and some months you're the ball, right? <laughs> How do you get past that when it's, when it's I, I still have to pull people toward me, mm-hmm. but you feel that fear. I got a mortgage to pay. I got kids. I got to do this. How do you bring it down a little bit to stay, to remain focused, uh, kind of psychologically, physiologically, on that pull instead of the push. Yeah. So one thing I think is important is uh, to to immediately come back to the realization that nobody's going to buy from you because you have a mortgage payment. <laughs> okay. So uh, you know, so if you feel like you're operating out of fear, recognize that that's going to come across to those you're trying to deal with. You know that you're that you're wanting to connect with and they're going to be much less likely to uh to to buy from you to do business with you and, and so what we've got to say is okay what's going to be the best thing here for me to to, to do uh, you know this goes back to the you know the stoic philosophy of and uh, where and a and a buddhist philosophy really that you know uh, that that um all misery is caused by attachment right and uh uh, what, what the what the Stoics taught, which I love in their teaching, is to recognize what you can't control. Absolutely, of course, we have to deal in truths. Recognize what you can't control, uh, but don't be attached to what you can't control. You need to focus on what you can control. Okay, so when we're in that situation where it's been a little rough and, and we've got to get back and we've got to start, you know, getting some income in and, and understand the only way we're going to get that income coming in is by providing value to others that they choose to to receive and exchange their money for it. OK, so it's always going to have to be about the other person. So what can we do? OK, we can take our focus off ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we're not self-interested. Okay, we are. We're human beings. So what we need to do is, again, let's live in truth. Let's not deny our self-interest, but let's put it aside. That we can control. Mm. Let's temporarily suspend it. Just like when you go to watch a movie, you temporarily suspend your disbelief, right? You know that what's on the screen isn't real. You know Bruce Willis isn't cracking a joke when a terrorist has a gun pointed at his head you know you know that right but in order to feel the feelings and enjoy the program and get the you know uh, we we suspend our disbelief but after the show's over we walk back out and we get into the real world again well you know temporarily suspend your self-interest and focus entirely on that other person or on the marketplace you're serving 
to the degree you do that, now you're creating that environment where you are much more likely to have that sale happen. And now you're going to be back in business and now things are going to start to cook for you. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And, and some of it goes back to, you know, I do a lot of breath work and taking those deep breaths so that when I do feel that fear in the mortgage, I have to get yeah. back in that abundance mindset. Otherwise I start, uh, Larry, I don't know if you know, Larry Levine, uh, yeah. selling from the heart and he yeah. calls it commission breath that when you start getting desperate and you start operating out of fear, you, you really get that. Yeah. Um, this is related to that, but, but, you know, you and I are both, uh, Atlas shrugged, uh, at least fans, or at least have read it. Yeah. You know, no, I love the book. <laughs> and it's, it is, it's interesting, you know, as an aside, looking over the last year and I was thinking, you know, the news of the shortages going on in the world. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is Atlas Shrugged. It was a, it was a nonfiction book, you know, you know, in that book, obviously they picked up, they went on strike, they went to Galt's Gulch and they, they found their own society. Right. And in, in our world though, as those things start happening, and, and, you, and you mentioned some things, whether it's liberty, free markets, but also animal cruelty and protecting animals. And, and you get involved with certain things, right, related to that. At what point, well, maybe that's not how, the best way to ask it. If the world is crumbling around you and there are threats that are out there, and right now, you know, everyone's got strong feelings on vax, no vax, this and that, and, 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 and everyone's there. At what point is something, does something become a clear and present danger versus, hey, I'm focused on building my business. I'm focused on providing my value. Mm -hmm. At what point is, are the barbarians at the gate that you, you got to turn it and, and take action? And where's that yeah. fine line? You know, I, uh, that's a great question because you, you don't know where that fine line is. I think relatively few people do. Uh, and so often the people who you think should and should be the watch guards and the, the guardians of such I, I don't know if they know uh because they don't want to know <laughs> yeah so uh, you know there's there's many um uh there are, are are many documentations of the fact that in certain ways we live at the best time ever you know in which we have uh technology that connects us technology that can that can cure a lot of things uh, uh, that there are uh, that that the overall consciousness of humanity is getting you know better and higher and yet there's so many really really horrible horrible things out there um i suspect that we don't hear a lot about much of the good that's going on because mm -hmm. a lot of the good is not newsworthy you know again it doesn't draw the eyeballs into to all the awful things going on and there are plenty of awful things going on so you know how do you know i don't know if you do kurt but i, I think what we all need to do is just stay as conscious as we can and look around be careful not to believe the conspiracy theories because we want to because it's the right side of the aisle saying it but continually and randy gage probably said this continue to check your premises yeah. Right. And always ask why, you know, question why. Uh, so, yeah, I do think we need to be vigilant. I don't I don't think it's something we can you know, we can ever just say, oh, no, ever the government's going to take care of us. No, the government's probably their ineptness and, and 
um, is probably going to allow a lot of the harm to happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I'm reading right now Carol Roth's uh, new book. It's it's called The War on Small Business. Oh, I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. Now the subtitle is you know how the government used the pandemic to crush the backbone of America. I don't agree with that. I don't think the government used the pandemic to crush the, the backbone being small business. No, they just did two things really, really, uh, well, not bad for them, but bad for, for everyone else. And that is, first of all, they were controlled by politics, okay? <laughs> and that swayed their emotions. They probably all thought they were doing the right thing, but they had, uh, conf you know, conflicts of interest, Okay. They also just made a lot of mistakes based on on that. Uh, but there was a lot of cronyism. They were, you know, they were controlled by the people, the big business, which is the ones that donate the most money and they have the most influence, whereas small business people tend to be scattered and independent mm -hmm. and they don't get together and pay off the government, you know, uh, to to make special laws, rules and regulations. So I'm about halfway through and what she has documented in here. It, and there's nothing conspiratorial about it, by the way. And that's the only reason why I don't like the subtitle, because it sounds conspiratorial, but it's not. <laughs> Everything here is what we saw taking place. And if you look at it in retrospect, it's very easy. I mean, these are all she's very fact based. I mean, she's very good. I don't know if you know Carol Roth or not, but she's spectacular. Um, but, uh, you know, but I, I think the subtitle, I, I don't think that's correct. I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in what a, a mentor of mine, Harry Brown, used to say, and mm. government does not need a conspiracy to mess things up really bad. <laughs> they do so just fine without it. Okay. And again, it's because the very, the way the system is as itself, if you, if you study it, which most people don't, again, they listen to their favorite talking heads, whether it's on the left or the right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's where they get their knowledge, but it really isn't necessarily knowledge, at least not complete enough to be right. And so if we really study it, we see that's just, that's just what happens. Yeah. So, so I think we need to be aware, but again, we need to go back to, you know, how much influence on that level do we have? Probably not a whole lot. What we can influence is how we personally respond to what's going on in, in our, in our lives. Is 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 it is it key to persuade the persuadable instead of trying to convert in a world where when you look at fear, fear gets clicks, fear sells ads, fear gets votes. I mean, if you look on the right and the left, there's fear, Absolutely. you know, and, and you, you create an enemy. And and there are things who, you know, Randy and I talked about this, you know, Randy and I disagree on some issues and, that, and that's fine. That's great. With them too, and, and he'll he'll point to some things and saying, "Oh, those people don't agree with this because they're based in fear." I'll look at the same thing and say, "Well, some of these people are saying this, and they're based in fear." Mm -hmm. In a world where where you're competing, I guess, with the noise and the fear pornography, is it important to to focus on the persuadable versus trying to compete with the noise? Yeah, well, so. You know, uh, a lot of times when we're talking, let's say, again, going back to politics and people think, well, you've got to, you know, persuade the people who are, you know, uh, you know, you got to persuade everybody. No, you don't. 
No, you have to persuade a certain amount of people. Now, my feeling is other than in, in very um, rare cases, people who are, you know, pretty far to the left and pretty far to the right, they're not really persuadable. And I think the time you take to do that wastes a lot of time in, in, in not persuading the people who are a little bit to the left or a mm. little bit to the right, yeah. but whose minds are, are open. And, and we know there are far more of those. You know, Kirk, most people, I believe, want to live in a country where people are basically happy, right? People are basically, when I say basically, I mean at a basic level, a fundamental level, that people are happy, people are healthy, uh, people are able to live their lives how, however they see fit, providing they don't infringe upon the lives of, of anyone else you know, who is trying to do the same. I think most people are like that, okay? That's the majority of people. They just want to live a good life and let others too. But there are a lot of people who, yeah, they may, they may really believe that's what they, that that's what, but they're really fine with telling you, but you can't do this. Mm. <laughs> right. And again, yeah. that's on the left and the right. Um, the further you go out there and the more you, the, the more they feel so strongly in that way, you're not going to persuade them. Okay. So, so don't, bother but most people most people they just want to know if there's a way you can show them that yes you can you know live your life pursue happiness as you see fit that people are generally going to be you know taken care of that need to that can't help themselves and who can they're gonna they're gonna agree with that yeah and you can persuade them uh uh you know un unfortunately there are a lot of influences out there that are trying to kind of take them in the another direction so yeah it's a continuous struggle and it goes back to what you say so are we are we are we participating in that struggle out of fear or or out of love and yeah. in which another way of saying are we participating in it out of weakness or out of strength mm. when we do it out of love it's strength when we do it out of weakness it's fear and it fear and weakness are not you know very persuasive well, Bob, on that note, I want to thank you for, for being a beacon of calm, joining us today in a, in a world of fear porn. Thank you for your books, uh, the Go-Giver series of books, Adversaries into Allies, huge impact on me, on how I live my life, and on the future. My 15-year-old my daughter is reading uh, books as well. We love them. Honored to Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, my brother.